Welcome back to the Dead Drop Game News Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bliss, and this is a bonus feed drop episode where I give you a preview of a podcast I enjoy by sharing an episode I loved and all related to video games and technology. Every so often I will drop one of these in the feed, especially if it provides some value for you as a listener of the show. And for today's feed drop, we're talking about The Waffling Tailors. The Waffling Tailors is a podcast run by two brothers, Jay and Squidge, yes, Squidge, who bring guests on or speak among themselves about their passion for video games in all its forms. Usually long-form episodes, the banter is lethal. But what I have been privileged to give you a preview of today is an episode in a short series where Jay talks about gatekeeping, mental health, and releasing the stigma of games' true impact on our lives. So many times in social media and the games industry, we find that people make unfair or biased assumptions about the impact games have on us. This particular episode of the Raw J series unpacks a series of tweets from a misguided individual who believes gaming of any kind for longer than a couple of hours a week is depression, which I hope you all know is not true in the least. But Jay is here to tell us why and what content creators are doing to try and curb this kind of shallow thinking. I myself saw a post on LinkedIn from someone who claims to be an organizational and careers expert and attempted to talk about video games as a method of interview, then proceeded to express concerns about being too old, not a gamer, and their fears of addiction to games arising from practicing just for these interviews. It kind of reflects the subject matter that Jay covers in this episode. So listen as he changes the signal around games for the better. And if you enjoy this episode, make sure to check out the Waffling Tailors podcast in your podcatcher or check out the links in the show notes of this episode. And as always, stay safe, stay well, and we'll be back to your regular programming in a couple of days. This episode is yet another example of why we should ditch the gatekeepers. Check your podcatcher for a link. Except this time, I have some real-world examples of gatekeeping happening in the wild, and a form of gatekeeping that you might not initially have thought was actually gatekeeping. This time, we'll be talking about a series of tweets. These tweets were sent out in 2022 and have lived rent-free in my head for a while because of how infuriatingly horrid they are. This is The Waffling Taylor's Raw with Jay, a series of shorter episodes of indefinite length. These episodes will cover shorter topics which don't really fit within the scope of the show, or topics that I want to cover in my own way before attempting them on the show. That's not to say we won't cover these topics on the main show, but just that I want to take a whack at them here first. Anyway, let's get to it. Mental Health and Gaming This episode is going to focus on a series of tweets, not sent by us or any friends of the show, which poke fun at both video gamers and those who suffer with mental health issues. Please note that I'm talking about the tweets and not those who suffer. Because these tweets are so egregious in their language, I won't be linking directly to them, mostly because I don't want to drive any more traffic towards the authors at all, but I will be quoting them verbatim, So if you really must see the originals, you can type the quotes into your search engine of choice and you will find them. If you have concerns about your mental health, please, please, please speak to a professional. And if you know someone who is suffering, please help them find a professional who can help. 
Mental health issues should never be the target of ire and parody. Mental health issues are very real, and some of us content creators, myself included, are doing our best to take the stigma away from getting help. One of the best examples of content creators who are doing this is the fantastic podcast Capes on the Couch. We had Anthony from Capes on the Couch on the show not that long back, and there's a link to the episode in the show notes. I would definitely recommend listening to our episode and then leapfrogging over to their show. Because it's so important, I will say it again. If you need help, please go get help. There is no stigma in getting the help that you need. And if someone you know is struggling, please help them to get the help that they need. So a little background. On September 11th, 2022, a Twitter user posted the following. As an adult, playing video games for long periods of time is a form of depression. If you don't believe me, ask yourself this. Think about the 100 greatest moments in your life. Do any of those moments include video games? Probably not. And this comes from a lifetime gamer. Let me level set here. I'm not saying that we should attack this person, or that people shouldn't necessarily consume their content. What I'm getting at is that this person and people like them continually use hot takes in order to drum up publicity for their own content. And by responding to them and drawing attention to their content, we give them legitimacy. Even if what you're doing is proving them wrong or providing the opposite side of the argument. And I fully realize the irony in what I've just said. There was a lot of immediate backlash from this tweet, with lots of people quoting it or replying to it directly. Those people were fighting the good fight for sure, but they were also giving that Twitter user what they wanted. Engagement. Social media and how it works. Before we get onto my opinions of this tweet and others like it, I want to give you a quick primer on how social media sites actually work. It's all about engagement. The more that people like, share and reply to your content, the more people will see it. And the more that people see it, the higher it will get in your suggested view. This is usually the default view for your feed. It's not chronological, as in it's not showing you things as they happen, but it's a hand-picked selection for you. You're seeing the things that fall into your interests, which have the most engagement. By replying, tweeting, liking, mentioning, whatevering a piece of social media content, you're telling the platform that this piece of content is important to those with similar interests to me and give me more like this. In the case of the above tweet, it had viral-like views within the first 48 hours because people were outraged by it, and rightly so. The problem with this is that its negative message started to spread among video game and mental health Twitter very quickly, which meant that more people saw it and more people went through to that person's account to learn more about them at which point they learnt more about the content that that person put out there. Some of those people will have engaged with this user's content, which is exactly what they wanted in the first place. Granted, it wouldn't have been a large percentage of the people who were checking this user out, but it would have been enough for them to have seen this as a positive experiment. This hot take was used specifically to drive engagement to their content. You may not have been one of the people who clicked through and checked out their other content, but there would have been a percentage of people who did. My opinions. For the time being, let's just ignore the part where they said, And this comes from a lifelong gamer. My biggest problem with this tweet is the unsolicited mass diagnosis of mental health issues given out to anyone who plays video games for, and I quote, long periods. 
Firstly, that was clearly an attempt at a hot take being used to create controversy in the hope that it would drive views to their website and content. This is evidenced by two things. One, their Twitter timeline is filled with calls to action for checking out their content with hardly any engagement from the greater Twitter universe. And two, they quickly followed up the original tweet with an almost immediate backpedaling due to the visibility it got, and I quote. Well, that escalated quickly. Just to clarify, this doesn't apply to e-gamers or people who have turned gaming into a career. This isn't about someone who plays a few hours a week. This is about people who consistently devote a double-digit percentage of their lives to gaming. Sticking with that reply for just a second, they seem to be okay with people who have made gaming a career. Presumably, they mean those who work in a massive gaming industry, which is set to hit 100.56 billion US dollars in 2024. There's a source for that number in the show notes. It's interesting to me that the movie industry is only just breaching the 100 billion mark, and the music industry, the niche chosen by that Twitter user, is around 29 billion. But if you do something that you enjoy for no other reason than the fact that you enjoy it, then they think you are suffering from an undiagnosed mental illness. This in itself is sad. But worse still is that the hot take was used specifically to drum up publicity for their content. Looping back to what we skipped over. We've skipped over a few things here. Firstly, and this comes from a lifelong gamer. What does this mean in the context of their original tweet? They are saying that if any of the joyous moments in your life are related to video games, then you must have an undiagnosed mental illness. Firstly, that's a hugely sweeping statement, as I've said in the past. In my Play and How Important It Is episode, link in the show notes. One thing that serious people say about play is that it's for children, and that's a real shame. It's my opinion that play is super important to anyone, and can help almost anyone solve certain types of problems. Play is a super important part of our lives, and people often conflate play with something that children do, which leads them to think that it's a waste of time. This is simply not true. Literally anything we do that brings us joy can be seen as play. As Greg McEwen says in his book Essentialism, Anything we do simply for the joy of doing rather than a means to an end, whether it's flying a kite or listening to music or kicking a football, Play can be anything. It doesn't have to be games-related, video or otherwise. I enjoy noodling around on my bass guitar, for instance. Sure, I've recorded pieces and I've worked with bands and artists, but my heart is in playing around and seeing what I can find and play rather than making money from it. Not everything has to be a way of making money. Our mental health and ability to relax is more important than anything else, because without us, there isn't anything else. We can't make money if we can't get through the day. Reading between the lines of what this Twitter user has said, they are advocating for getting off the couch and getting some work done. Well, Dr. Brene Brown, a world-leading researcher on workplace behaviour, has this to say about play. The opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. Which means that this user was telling people, albeit subtly, that they should stop playing and get to work. But Dr. Brown says that the opposite of play is depression. So why should we abandon something which helps to maintain a healthy state of mind? Because some person on the internet told us to? Again, I fully appreciate the irony of being someone on the internet who's telling you what to do. Secondly, what if some of the 100 greatest moments of a person's life include video games? 
there's more to playing video games than just sitting with a controller in your hand. Some of my most cherished memories of video game playing have been couch-based co-op or competitive play, where the people I've been playing with have provided me the wonderful respite from what's going on in the real world. That rest and relaxation combined with the social aspects are what make us human. Some of our earliest stories are taken from oral tradition. That's literally everyone sitting around the campfire at night swapping stories. These stories acted as both social glue which held us together and a way for us to share knowledge and experience. The exact same can be said for couch-based co-op and competitive play. As can be said for post-game locker room shenanigans in sports, being part of that group requires us to take part in those group activities and being part of the group actually helps with our mental health. What about solo play? Well, playing video games by ourselves can help us in many different ways. The amount of studies that have shown that video games increase hand-eye coordination and puzzle-solving abilities is off the charts, so I don't need to talk about that. But playing games solo can help us to grow emotionally. Some story-based games can allow us to explore complex emotions, as we'll hear about in a moment, just like a well-written TV show, book, or movie can. So I'm all for allowing someone to explore thoughts, emotions, and situations in a safe environment through video games, just like they would with any other forms of media. The other thing that video games can provide is a meditative state. By focusing on one particular thing, in traditional mindfulness practice we focus on the breath, you can allow for both a greater calm to come over you, but also for your subconscious brain to take over and solve some problem or issue that you are facing. And the problem or issue doesn't even have to be work-based either. They can be sudden bouts of clarity on any subject matter. These are often called shower thoughts, and there is an entire subreddit devoted to them over at r slash shower thoughts. So how we responded and why. In a direct response to seeing this person's tweet appear on our feed, and due to justifiable outrage to it, we took to Twitter at the time and posted, Yes, we've seen the tweet about how if you play video games then you must be suffering with some kind of depression. No, we're not going to link to it and give the person more views. Here's a hot take. Do what makes you happy, enjoy it, and be cool to each other. Jay and Squidge. I'm going to quote myself again for a second here, so I apologise in advance. I then went to LinkedIn and posted this. There's a link to that in the show notes a short while later. I was at a talk a month back, and the speaker, Robin Ince, said something that has stuck with me. Be careful with words. Words are like shrapnel. He spoke on a lot of topics, but that sentence spoke to me very deeply. I would likely extend it and say that some sentences are like landmines. They can lay in wait for decades until someone trips them. What I'm getting at is that it pays to be careful with the words that you use. You never know. What you might say in the line of banter or just having a laugh might be causing people harm. As with all things, be excellent to each other. TLDR. Words hurt people, so be careful with the words that you choose to use. At roughly the same time, I also tweeted out, Remember, if you enjoy it, it's never a waste of time. It's your time. Do what you want with it. Ignore the trolls and naysayers. As long as it's not against the law, who effing cares? Now just go and have some fun. But stepping away from their word choices for a moment, let's take a moment to talk about the idea of playing video games for long periods of time as a form of depression. I wonder whether they would extend this to reading books, watching movies, or listening to music. Or is it just interactive media and storytelling? You could argue that reading books, watching movies, and listening to music can also be solo activities which take people away from real life 
for long periods of time in the same way that playing a video game would. Sure, not every game has a story to tell or a lesson to teach, but a lot of them do. Not only that, but video games can literally bring people together. This is something that friend of the show Jason Madsen said in his I Have Played piece for Lock On Volume 1. I was back at school, a place where I had few real friends, and got bullied sometimes. What I noticed, though, was that pretty much everyone in my class got the PS1 at Christmas as well. I was able to share my excitement and experiences with the other kids. I felt wanted and part of the group. And story-based video games can help to teach empathy and foster emotional growth, too. The PlayStation and gaming taught me at a key transition in my life, adolescence into adulthood, how to feel more human, how to relate more positively to the world around me, and how to be more compassionate to other people, despite their capricious tendencies. Yes, the game setting was fictional, but the feelings it created within my being were more real than anything I had felt before. What I really like about this particular part of Jason's piece is that he talks about the social aspects of playing a solo game. In the above-quoted section, he's talking about how Final Fantasy VII helped him grow emotionally and better connect with the people around him. Even a game which is played alone can bring people together when they choose to talk about it afterwards, just like people who talk about TV shows, movies, books, and music that they consume. If you've ever been to a big gaming convention or event, you'll find thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people with similar tastes. Most of them will likely want to talk to you about their favourites, and you can make some real lifelong friends at those kinds of events too. And it doesn't even have to be the games themselves which bring people together. Back at EGX in 2019, Squidge and I attended a very fun screening of the Dead or Alive movie, where members of the audience were asked to get up and play through recreations of the in-movie fights with Dead or Alive on the PS2. And our good friend Sakura sent this in for our Pokemon 25th anniversary episode. There's a link in the show notes. You don't realise the power and effect Pokemon has given to people universally until those first few notes in the original theme song play and you see a venue holding a thousand plus attendees suddenly stop whatever they are doing and all sing the song in unison with such passion in their voices. Everyone in that room is rethinking their own adventure together with everyone in that moment. It is beautiful and makes you feel wholesome that you're part of such a worldwide phenomena. And the interesting thing is that books, movies, music, and TV shows can have the same effect too. After all, they are stories, and stories can affect us deeply, as can tweets. It's worth remembering that the original poster to the tweet that sparked this whole thing off was probably hoping that more people would come together and consume their content. To me, it's a very strange stance to have taken, and I'm extrapolating here, To say that anything which brings people together, either during the enjoyment of the thing or after it, is a sign of serious mental health issues if that thing is a video game. Otherwise, it's okay. In closing, please choose your words wisely. If someone has a hobby which brings them joy, live that joy with them, or allow them to live that joy without sticking your two cents in. It's their life, and they can do what they want with their time, as can you. I've actually done three other Roll With Jay episodes on similar topics, and I'll link them in the show notes. First, Play and How Important It Is talks about how play in any of its forms, including creating music, can be both refreshing and can help with maintaining mental health. Secondly, Let's Ditch the Gatekeepers talks about why we need to not give gatekeepers, those who say you're not a real, the time of day. 
we need to ignore them and carry on with our lives. And thirdly, entitlement talks about how none of us, regardless of who we are and what we do, are entitled to any kind of special treatment. If you play games, that's great. If you don't, also great. It also doesn't matter whether you call yourself a gamer or not. As long as you're cool with everyone, then we'll get on. In the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Dagay. See the show notes for more details.